July 20th, 2023, you are at jconline.com. How are you doing, kids? Yeah, it was on this date, 1969, that it all happened, but it happened on so many different levels for me. I've talked about this before, and I'll get to all that in just a minute, but first, a word about yesterday, which did not happen. I did the radio show yesterday morning. I'm uh, going in for a hip replacement in a couple of weeks. Just too many years of pitching and coming down on that landing foot and then doing that little twist. And uh, the hip on the left side is just gone. And I am in a tremendous amount of pain. And I'm trying not to take too much Tylenol. I don't think it's good for you. I also have the heavy-duty stuff. I mean, I got oxycodone left over from various other problems that I've had. And that stuff terrifies me. And I don't take it unless the pain on that particular day, because it varies. I mean, you have good days and you have bad days. And I was having a bad day, day before yesterday. And so I went to bed. I was laying there and I could not get into a position where it didn't hurt. And, you know, just keeping you awake. And so I think I had a glass or two of wine. And I didn't take that into consideration. And so I took one of those mega pills. And yesterday morning, I'm doing the radio show on 101.5 and 101.7 on K-Wolf. And by the way, we have a new website where you get the name of the song and the name of the artist. Should have had that all along, but better late than never. And so we have that now at kwolf.com. And the radio station is really catching on. It's pretty amazing to watch this thing grow. And I love these guys who show up from out of town and go on to an established radio station that's been in business for, you know, 40, 50 years, and the ratings come out, and they do well, and they and they think it's something they did. This is why the, the thing that I'm probably most proud of as a broadcaster for the last almost 40 years now in St. Louis is not that I did well. It's that we took three different radio station morning shows that were face down dead in the water and took them to number one. 
We did that at Casey. We did it at KSD. We did it at K-Hits. In all three cases, the morning show was just an afterthought, and we just made it so that people couldn't uh, ignore us. By the way, is it safe to say that a backwards baseball camp on a man equals douchebag? Because I think it does, but I digress. So anyway, I'm doing the radio station morning show yesterday, and I'm sitting here getting the nods. You know, like when you're driving late at night and you're tired and you you catch yourself. This is me yesterday morning doing the radio show. So when that ended, I'm like, well, I've got two choices here. I can either go ahead and try to do a podcast and stay awake and probably do really shitty work, or I can go down the hall into that bedroom and lay down and sleep for about three hours, which is what I chose to do. So apologies for the absence of a podcast yesterday. I try to be more uh, reliable than that. Most of the time, 99% of the time, we're fine, but every once in a while, I just run into a problem. And yesterday, that was it. Anyhow, back to the whole story of 1969 and this particular date. I'm one of those people who's very romantic about the United States space program. And even the Hubble telescope and the James Webb telescope, this stuff has been knocking me out. And it's also really changed my perspective on life a little bit because when you see this little pale blue dot being shot from Mars, it's really, really hard to continue to take yourself seriously. It's also, I think, just poking all sorts of holes in organized religion, but that's a, a topic perhaps for another day. As I've said before, and I'll say it again till the day I die, the miraculous part of the whole thing was not that we went to the moon, is that we went in 1969 with the technology that was available then, which was, you know, these guys, the entire space capsule had about as much computer power and memory as a handheld calculator. That's why I always say it's not, not miraculous that we went, it's that we went in 1969. Now for me, it was the greatest day of my life. I was 15 years old. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, that's sort of depressing, JC. You had the best day of your life at 15. And it's all been downhill since then. And it's like, yep, absolutely. Because here is the backstory on the whole thing. I played in a very, very highly organized baseball league when I was a kid. We had our own field, own concession stand, fence around the place, the whole thing. The mothers had to work in the concession stand, part of the ladies' auxiliary. The fathers had to either coach or manage or cut the grass, put the lines down. You had to accumulate points or you got thrown out of the league. It was a way of getting the families all involved in the whole thing, and it really worked well. And every year, I'm sure they had it around St. Louis because they had it in Chicago and around the world, they would select a tournament team. they picked the best players from each of the teams, and then they would put that team together. There would be a suspension in the regular season for a couple of weeks, and you would play in this tournament from teams all over your region. And even though our league was really, really good, we never came anywhere close to advancing to the next round. However, the year that I was 15, and it was my last year in Babe Ruth League, for the first time, everybody in the neighborhood, everybody in the league was like, this team could actually do something. And so we go out there for the very first game in 1969, and the guys just choke. They're throwing the ball away. They're kicking it around the whole thing. I'm pitching my guts out out there, and finally my arm just about fell off, and we were down four to nothing. And it's like, man, we were supposed to be the team that was going to really be good. And look at this. We cacked 
in the first game. And then a guy by the name of Jim Baxter came up and hit a grand slam home run. The score was tied. To make a long story short, we won, and then we won again. And then we won again, and then we won again. And now we advance to the sectionals, I guess it was. And we ended up playing a team from a little town south of Chicago called Mount Greenwood. And we played that game on Saturday, July 20th, 1969. Now, there were probably a 1,000 people at this game. It really drew a big crowd. And the strategy for our team was to have this uh, left-hander by the name of Kevin Porter come out and throw these wacky curveballs from the left side and then bring me in with what I... And I had a blazing fastball and a good slider back then. They were going to bring me in in like the fourth or fifth inning. And that's, in fact, what we did. The only problem was we're having a no-hitter thrown against us. I'm out there in the fifth inning standing on the mound. I'm throwing my warm-up pitches between innings. And all of a sudden, the public address announcer comes on as a ladies and gentlemen may I have your attention please i've just been told that the united states of america has landed a man on the moon <sighs> crowd goes crazy i'm standing on the mound i take a bow and i didn't know what to do and um we finished the game we lost Everybody went home, we showered, changed clothes, and they had a little banquet for us. We were eliminated from the tournament. Everybody felt really bad about it. But it was the furthest that any one of our tournament teams from our league ever went. So at least we had that. The little dinner banquet thing we had was over. Everybody runs home, turns on the TV, and we watch Neil Armstrong come down the ramp and take the first steps on the moon. Maybe not every time. But several times when I have visited Chicago, I will go out there and stand on that baseball field. It's a place called Rooney Field in Mount Greenwood, Illinois. And I just sort of stand there and try to soak in everything I can remember from being a 15-year-old with my entire life in front of me, but with that incredible, indelible memory of everything that happened on that day, the actual announcement of the moon landing and all the applause and people just waving flags later on, watching the first steps being taken on the moon and then pitching in a game that had we won, we would have traveled to the next location, like on a bus to another city. We were actually going to go to Olney, Illinois, home of the white squirrels. I did my research. So every July 20th, it's a sort of a, sort of an emotional day for me. And like I said earlier, you would not be the first one to say, gosh, I see that's sort of depressing. You're 15 years old and that was the greatest day of your life. And every day since then has been a come down from that day. Well, it's true. I got to be honest with you. But it does bring up an interesting conversation. Sit there and just think sometime about the greatest day of your life. Now, a lot of people will say the day my child was born, and it's not those those days aren't important. Of course they are. Maybe it was uh, some day that you had some sort of an epiphany and you changed careers. Maybe it was the day you got out of the service. Maybe you did time, and, you know, the greatest day of your life is the day you go walking out of prison. Maybe today is the best day of your life because you're going to see the Barbie movie. This Barbie thing better be good. That's all I can say because I am so sick of the hype already. And then the Oppenheimer movie comes out today too. Now, the official opening is tomorrow, but most theaters are going to do a showing of both of those movies starting tonight. And I've not seen either one because I was traveling and I missed the screenings and that sort of stuff. But I'll get to them, probably get to one tonight and maybe one tomorrow. And then I'll post those reviews on the Facebook page, The Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. The Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. 
And if I see Oppenheimer tonight, which I'm planning to do, I'll give you the review on the radio show tomorrow morning at 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 West and beyond and online at kwolf.com. Speaking of Oppenheimer, and you're going to see lots of scenes in Los Alamos, New Mexico, it turns out that that community has the highest concentration of millionaires in the entire country. 12.5% of households having at least a million bucks in assets in Los Alamos, New Mexico. I just picture, you know, desert and dirt and cactuses and tumbleweeds, and there's a bunch of millionaires. Well, it's because almost everybody living out there is either a chemist or an engineer or a physicist, and they're all working at the Los Alamos National Laboratory. We just saw that Wes Anderson movie, which was shot out there, too, with Tom Hanks and Scarlett Johansson. That movie wasn't that good, but it was worth seeing. And I don't know how much of the movie is going to involve Chicago. And if you're saying, what the hell has Chicago got to do with Oppenheimer? Well... You should have paid attention in history class. You know, I remember my dad talking about this all the time because there's a place in Chicago called Stag Field. And we didn't have satellite technology at the time, but we had a lot of spying going on during World War II. And nobody wants the enemy to know what you're up to, you know, what you're developing in terms of technology or anything like that. So you got to do all this stuff really, really top secret. And so what they did is they hollowed out an area underneath a football stadium in Chicago, underneath Stag Field. And that's where a lot of the research and testing and other things involving the development of the atom bomb took place. And almost nobody knew that it was going on. And you figure a football stadium, there's people coming and going all the time. Coaches, players, crowds, the whole thing. So apparently they got away with it because nobody picked it out and said, there's something funny going on at this football stadium. Apparently nobody picked up on it. And a lot of that technology that was done underneath Stag Field contributed to what they were also doing in Los Alamos. And that's how the whole thing sort of came down. The next thing you know, the war was over. So I'm looking forward to seeing this movie. The Oscar buzz is overwhelming on this speaking of keeping your mouth shut somebody won the lottery last night oh god a billion dollars you can only hope that it's somebody who really deserves it it's out in california maybe some itinerant worker or something has been bending over picking lettuce his or her entire life and they win the powerball thing a billion dollars a billion so what happens after you faint and you scream and you jump around you keep your mouth shut that's what you do in fact Somebody came along and said, here are the four tips if you ever win. And and this applies whether you win a billion dollars or you win a couple of hundred thousand. Think about how happy you'd be if you won a million dollars in the lottery. And now somebody just won a billion. There was a guy who worked for the Rams Radio Network back in the 90s. And I don't want to say his name for reasons that should be obvious because he was a good guy. But he would come and go and just sort of do the Rams stuff, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff in the studio on weekends. And then he'd be gone, and he'd come back next week. And I'd go, what does that guy do? I never see him. I never hear anything about him. Oh, see, somebody in his family, maybe it was him, won the lottery. So he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to work. I guess he's just doing this Rams thing for fun. And I never asked him about it. I should have because it's probably a pretty good story. But, you know, you want as few people to know what's going on. And here are the four tips. First of all, immediately document your win. Take a photo or video with the winning ticket to make sure your face and the numbers are clearly visible. Smartphone pictures include data like, uh, you know, the time and the date that each photo was taken. So if anybody tries to come along and say, you stole my ticket, you'll be able to prove that you did not. Number two, yeah, don't tell anybody. 
Don't tell your mom. You know what your mom's going to do? She's going to tell your aunt. Your aunt's going to tell everybody. And the next thing you know, you're going to have a line of 500 people out in front of your house, people you haven't seen since grade school, and third and fifth cousins, all with their hand out. You do not want this. So don't tell anybody. Number three, keep the tickets secure. Make sure it's somewhere safe. There are people who just say, I'm going to keep it in my wallet and walk around with it. Then I know where it is. Dumb idea. Safety deposit box at the bank. Maybe a fireproof safe or even a desk drawer with a lock on it is better than walking around with the damn thing. And then find a financial planner and make sure it's somebody with some national credibility. Maybe somebody who's done work with lottery winners before. Not some goofball down the street who's going to take all your money and leave you with nothing. They'll be able to walk you through the whole thing. Because you always hear these stories about people who win the lottery and win millions of dollars. And three, four, five years later, they're broke. What happened? What happened is that people don't know what to do with money. And they make one of those classic mistakes. They tell too many people, and then everybody's got an idea. I can take that $3 million to win a lottery and turn it into $50 million overnight. And the next thing you know, you're back to flipping burgers or picking lettuce. And I'm tired of that thing where the news anchors sit there. Why would you do if you won a million dollars in the lottery? Well, I'd buy my mother a house. Just once, I'd like to see one of those anchor people come. Hookers and blow. And here he is, the Hall of Fame voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Jack Buck with our seventh inning stretch. Broadcaster, Jack Buck. Hi, folks. How you doing? How do you like the color of this jacket? Holy cow! It's the Cardinals and the Cubs. I never thought, I never thought I would ever do this. Let's sing this song for the greatest rivalry in the history of baseball. The Cardinals in the Cup. A one, a two, a three. Take me out to the ball. Great moment from up there at Wrigley Field where the Cardinals will be for the next four nights. The Cardinals are playing all of a sudden like they don't want anybody traded. But I'm afraid it's too late. So they won five out of six in this homestand, including that 6-4 to four win yesterday afternoon at Bush. Nine and a half games out of first place. Trade deadline is in two weeks. Like I said, the team is suddenly playing like, uh, we sort of like all these guys. Can you not trade them? Well, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to see a Dylan Carlson trade because Tyler O'Neill is back. And unless he gets hurt immediately again, which certainly is not out of the realm of possibility, he, he's prone to injury. Another one of those guys who is very, very muscle-bound, and I'm not sure Major League Baseball players 
are supposed to be built like that. It just seems like the guys who are like that are the ones who get hurt all the time. Anyhow, so Tyler O'Neill back in the lineup playing left field tonight, and the odd man out is Dylan Carlson. you got to believe that that's going to be the first name you are going to see go. We just better get something big time. We better get a top-flight starter because that boy can play ball, okay? Steven Matz, by the way, is 0-7. He's going up against the Cubs ace Marcus Stroman, who's 10-6 with a 2.88 ERA. Go ahead. Put a game plan together for this game tonight. Temperatures, by the way, only in the upper 60s. In football, everybody knew Daniel Snyder was a son of a bitch when he got into the league, what, 20 years ago and bought the Washington Redskins? So I don't know why anybody was surprised when they found out he had this hostile work environment with all this sexual undertones of everything and sexual harassment and sexual this and sexual that and just things not adding up. NFL Finance Committee has approved the sale to some other rich guy. And people are getting excited about this women's soccer thing, the FIFA World Cup. USA women play tomorrow night in New Zealand. Their opponent is Vietnam. The Vietnam team is ranked 32nd, so it could be a blowout. I'm not really happy about the way things turned out in Vietnam during the war, so this could be an opportunity to serve up a little payback. Could be a blowout, could be over early, as they say. There was a movie that came out years ago called From Dusk Till Dawn. Quentin Tarantino directed and also starred in it along with uh, George Clooney and one of the uh, actresses, and there was Salma Hayek. And I was in Los Angeles to do those interviews, and before I went into the room, they said, now, please keep in mind that Miss Hayek is uh, still learning English, so maybe you shouldn't talk so fast and, and just be aware of the fact that this could be an issue. I went in there and she did just fine, but oh my gosh, was she pretty. And I, there's no way to describe her skin. Her skin looked like some sort of space-age polymer or something. Man, she was good looking. There's a movie she made with Matthew Perry called Fools Rush In, which was not a bad romantic comedy. I'm pretty rough on those kinds of movies, and uh, I actually liked that film. And I liked it because of how good she was. And again, that was right about that same time. This is somebody who's still learning English, and she can pull off you know, comedic timing. That's actually pretty impressive. James, oh, the reason I brought her up is because, well, she's Salma Hayek, but also she credits her youthful looks to meditation and something called radio frequency and microfrequency treatments, which are non-invasive. Now, I understand the basics of what radio frequency is because, you know, I broadcast over a radio station every day. How that's supposed to help your skin, I have no idea, but she believes in it. It seems to be working. James Cameron says he tried to warn us about AI with the Terminator back in 1984, and he thinks the biggest threat is people weaponizing it. In fact, he predicts a sort of nuclear arms race with AI. The Actors Union, SAG AFTRA is going to allow 39 productions to continue shooting during the strike because they're independent. One of them is something called Death of a Unicorn. It's got Paul Rudd and Jenna Ortega as a father and daughter who run over a unicorn with their car. This Jenna Ortega, if you saw her host Saturday Night Live, then you're probably like me and you're like, man, is she on the launch pad. She's another one with really good comedic timing, knows what she's doing. I think she is going to be a huge star. Meanwhile, Bob Odenkirk says, well, now, wait a minute. Do we have a strike going on here or not? If it's a strike beyond strike, you lose, we lose, everybody loses. Sometimes you have to do the hard thing. So he's against this idea of exceptions. And I think he's right, by the way. 
Speaking of movies, Netflix is getting rid of its basic plan. That's the $9.99 ad-free tier. If you already have it, you can stay on it, but new subscribers are going to have to choose a more expensive plan, or you got to get that ad-supported tier for $6.99. Getting tired of hearing about this Jason Aldean thing. Try that in a small town. Uh, supporters include Donald Trump and Roseanne Barr. That's pretty much all you need to know. I've looked at the lyrics a couple of times and I listened to the song. It's a redneck song. This guy thought he was getting away with something. He got called out on it. The song is hostile to anybody who doesn't have that very, very narrow view of the world, like these people who write redneck songs. The split between Sofia Vergara and her husband. If you're a guy, this is probably really, really hard to get your head around because you're thinking to yourself, what could she be doing that would be divorce worthy? It would have to be pretty bad. Now, there's a couple of rumors going around, stories, different versions of this. One says one of the reasons they split is because he wants kids and she doesn't. She's 51 years old. I heard another story. The original story I heard was that he went on the wagon. He stopped drinking, but she didn't, and that was causing a rift in the relationship. All I know is this. If you're Joe Manganiello, you've got to be thinking in the back of your head, Am I sure I want to do this, knowing that whatever I get from this point forward in my life is going to be a come down from what I've just had for the last seven years? Am I willing to walk? The Skims clothing line from Kim Kardashian, it's now been estimated to be worth $4 billion. All right, birthdays today, damn good-looking lesbian, Julianne Hough, 35, Giselle Bunchen was worth, I think they said $400 million, former Mrs. Tom Brady, 43, Judy Greer, pretty good actress. I liked her in 13 going on 30. I liked her in The Descendants with George Clooney. She's 48 today. Omar Epps, 50. Sandra O. Oh, Grey's Anatomy, Bottle Shock, not Bottle Shock. I did that on the radio show today, too, uh, Not bottle, which is a very good movie about wine, by the way, Bottle Shock. The movie I'm thinking of, though, is Sideways. She was in that, 52. Frank Whaley. Here's a guy, career opportunities with Jennifer Connelly back in the day, one of the opening scenes in Pulp Fiction, and the young Moonlight Graham in Field of Dreams. Frank Whaley, 60 years old today. He still looks like he's about 25. Donna Dixon, did did um, Dan Aykroyd and she break up? I want to say they did. She's 66 today. Carlos Santana is 76. This was my very first week on KMOV Channel 4 back in 1992. I had worked at Channel 5 for five or six years. They decided to cut the budget, so I sat out for about six months, and then uh, Channel 4 called up, and I said, sure, let's go. So they make the announcement, and Jerry Berger does a whole piece on it and everything like that, and the first day I come walking in, I sit down at my desk, and about an hour later, Mary Phelan comes walking into the newsroom, and I knew her casually, and one of the ways I knew her is that she had been dating an ex-radio partner of mine, a guy with funny hair. It was only about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There were no deadlines involved or anything, and she grabbed me and pulled me over to the side of the newsroom, way away from everybody else, and for like an hour and a half, dumped on me about all, because they had broken up, and dumped on me on every story she had about this guy. You name it, he was doing it. According to her, he was involved in not only multiple activities that could get you in trouble with the law and activities that if uh, 
other single women in St. Louis were aware of the way he was with women, they might take a pass. This all according to her, not me. Although, as most of you know, the uh, the the my separation from KSD, the classic rock station back in the 80s and 90s, was shrouded in mystery. But if you start you know putting two and two together, you'll figure the whole thing out. So after she tells me this whole thing for an hour and a half and about how she dodged a bullet and she's so glad to be away from him and all this sort of stuff. And again, this is my first day and everybody in the newsroom is like, why are Corcoran and Phelan off in the corner talking for an hour and a half? They're not talking about news. It doesn't look like it looks like something a lot better than that. I don't know. Anyhow, it's time to get ready to do the news. And, uh, you know, she went her way and I went mine. And about a month later, about a month later, I found out that the two of them were back together and Mary Phelan never made eye contact with me again in that newsroom because she knew that I knew and I tried to tell a version of this story once before a couple of years ago and everybody just got mad at me and started jumping halfway up my ass because oh, you're talking about a dead girl and we liked her and, uh, and like do you think it's possible that because I knew her and you didn't that maybe you could be wrong and I could be right and this just might be something you don't want to hear ever think of that don't come here don't come to the podcast. Don't come to the radio show if you don't want to hear stories that are true. Don't get mad at me because, you know, I'm the bearer of bad news. I'm going to tell you a story that goes against the conventional thinking. You don't want to know the truth. Don't come here. We had Dana Carvey from Saturday Night Live in the studio on this day back in 1990. And back in 06 was the first day of the power failure after that crazy ass straight line wind thing that uh, took out everybody's power and you know i didn't have power for five days in olivet and frank galliendo was in town to do a show at the westport funny bone and they had the uh, what we used to call the comedy condo out there at westport all the comedians that would come in they'd stick them in the same room not all at the same time they're there at different times so you know they had the comedy condo and he was like i didn't have any power but he still came in he still came in and did the gig frank galliendo is a cool guy insiders say if something isn't done pretty soon marjorie taylor green and lauren bobert may actually fist fight on the house floor let's hope something doesn't happen then and uh in one of the stranger story I, i've seen today muscular people they say are less likely to get alzheimer's muscular people less likely to get alzheimer's poor arnold schwarzenegger it looks like he'll never be able to forget jingle all the way and with that, the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Thursday, July 20th, 2023 is in the can. Here's how we do it. The morning radio show at 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 West and beyond and online at kwolf.com. And then at 11 o'clock every day, here we go with the J.C. Corcoran podcast. You can email me, jc at jconthelime.com, Facebook the showgram with J.C. Corcoran. Please spread the word, okay? Word of mouth is the best advertising you can get. And I've been here now for going out, well, it's almost two months now, and there's a lot of people don't know we're here every morning. So please let them know about the podcast and about the radio show. You do that, there'll be a little something special in your envelope this Friday. And with that, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. I never thought I would ever do this. Let's sing this song for the greatest rivalry in the history of baseball. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.